Garland. I'm telling you, he is a, he's something else. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, yeah. Logo man, patch auto one of one. Luka Doncic. Boom! What is up, everybody? Happy Monday morning. Uh, this is Gary. Welcome to Hoops and Cards. We have had a uh, fantastic and busy weekend here in the sports world. And uh, especially if you are into pro football at all or college football here in the U.S., uh, just a just a tremendous start to the season and a lot of uh, crazy games that came down to overtime or a stunning kick with time running out to see Pittsburgh beat Cincinnati, Cleveland beat whoever it was they played. Oh yeah, Baker Mayfield in Carolina. But uh, you guys, we are basketball card podcast. Basketball card mainly, not necessarily only. And we're in the middle of this series or near the beginning, really, of Basketball Cards 101. And this is a shout out to all of us, all of you, who who want to hit the reset button. Maybe you're brand new to this whole world of basketball cards, sports cards, or you're coming back to it at a different stage in life or a different stage really in the this whole hobby. Whenever people say the hobby, since I'm doing a one-on-one episode, let me let me expand. The hobby is just cards, <laughs> sports cards. buying and selling and collecting, displaying, chasing, you know, whatever, whatever it is, auctioning, bidding. That's the hobby people. And, and, uh, it's happening all over the world. It's online 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It's on location in big shows. Like I believe Dallas was this past weekend and, in not as big shows, like I know there was a, a pretty decent sized one in Defiance, Ohio, and one in Hilliard, Ohio, and one in Strongsville, Ohio. I seem to like the Ohio bias because I'm coming at you from, yeah, that state. So, but the hobby is bigger, broader than ever, and basketball cards, you guys, right now is a great time to brush up on. The, the fundamentals, things you need to know about buying and selling basketball cards here in 2022. Today is September 12, 2022, and this series, Basketball Cards 101, you know, basically we are, we are going through seven or eight straight episodes on this topic because it's, it's the off season, because we want to be ready for this upcoming season. It starts in October, like October 18th, I believe, is the tip-off of the NBA regular season. And so right now is a great time to game plan, uh, to start to buy in, because prices are still down and they will be for a while. Everybody's focusing on other sports. They're talking about how can we invest towards the World Cup? How can we capitalize on the beginning of the pro football season? Who's going to make it to the World Series and how many Aaron judge cards should I buy? You know, they're talking about everything else you guys. And that's when those things are up, 
it's probably not a good time to buy those. If you uh, looked at the title of this specific episode, we're going to talk about investing and collecting. Those two major categories. And uh, that's something to, to understand just about the way the hobby works, the way different people and businesses and just historically the, the card market has operated. But also, I, I want to say more importantly for you and for, for our purposes today to think through, well, well, what are you? What am I when it comes to a collector and an investor? Because before I dig deeper into either one of those, just those worlds, it's true that there's a little bit of both in every one of us. There's a little bit of collector and a little bit of investor in you and in me. But the question is, well, well how much of that? <laughs> and what's driving your strategy? What's driving your approach or what you're doing, your actions in the sports card market right now? What is, you know, what's your focus? And do you understand that? Because it, it, it can change over time. It can change depending on what you want to do and how much money you have to do it with and why you're doing this. And, and we'll talk about all of that. Uh, I want you to know too, that, that it's a common topic and theme among podcasts. Uh, you know, it was great to already have this topic scheduled and then to go on and listen to sports cards nonsense. So it's a fun podcast to listen to that covers all sports. And they were doing a two part series. I don't know if they called it a series, but talking about collector versus investor and, uh, you know, they're coming at it from different parts of the conversation than we will, but it was still cool to listen to parts of that yesterday and today and think, yeah, this is, uh, this is relevant. This is meaningful. This is, uh, these are, you know, something to understand about how the market grows, how, how it goes up and down based on what collectors are doing and based on what investors are doing and what types of investors, you know, is it short-term flippers? Is it long-term holders? Is it people investing just in the greatest players of all time or people investing deep in the big names who are new, the big new rookies and Zions and Trey Lance's and Zach Wilson's and Trevor Lawrence's. Those are football players I should be talking about. The big name Cade Cunningham's. There you go, Cade. Cade Magic, right? Why are we investing? Why are we collecting? And it is so, guys, it's so crucial to decide what you want to do and why you want to do it, collector investor. It is so crucial because, hey, there is sports news every single day. Big news, fun games to watch, players that that just ball out, things that change and trades. Man, Donovan Mitchell trade happens. I got to know what I'm doing as an investor. Am I buying in on big news as a collector? Do I, do I appreciate this player or that team or what, you know, is there something to capture this moment that I would like as an NBA fan? You got to be ready for all the moments and then all the, like, there's just an unlimited, it's overwhelming how many opportunities there are in this, just in the basketball stream, just, just in NBA cards and collectibles. So I'm just going to say it is so important to know just generally who you are, why you're doing it, 
And to somewhat stick to that, I don't think you stick to it regardless of what opportunities might come up in a moment. But when you're at a show or you're online or you're seeing an auction or you go to a card shop and you see you see a card that you're like, huh, I wasn't thinking about that guy, but look at that card or look at that deal or look at that new product that I didn't know existed. And it is so easy, especially fans, people that just get excited about the next thing. It's easy to be distracted. And sometimes I'm like, man, I, I'm really glad I was open to that distraction. So my, my strategy was flexible enough to say, all right, that wasn't in the plan, but it is now. <laughs> like you see a good deal or you see a great card and you're like, yeah. But then there are other things where you have to say, you know what? Uh, that's a great deal. That's a really good card. But hey, uh, right now I just got to stick to my plan. And so you may or may not know what that, what that plan is, investor, collector, whatever, like, but this is why we're doing the Basketball Cards 101 series, to get you uh, learned up, coached up, prepared for opportunities unlimited in the hobby. So we'll dive into collectors first and then look at what it means to be an investor and what type of investor are you. You gotta be quick with me. I'm from your EPA. The one thing they love more than a hero is to see a hero fail, fall, die trying. Jason Taylor. Collectors, let's talk about collector, the collector in you, the collector in me. This guy's a collector. Yeah, I've always been a sports fan an NBA fan. Certainly, like everyone, I have my favorites, the players, the teams I enjoy watching, the parts of the game that I absolutely love. And so the idea of collecting just a piece of the NBA, uh, whether it's a card that has a awesome picture of a player I love on it, if it has that player's autograph. If you're brand new to this thing, like there are so many options of things to collect, even just in cards. <clears throat> so many different brands of cards to collect, styles, but features really. Now you can collect cards that have a piece of that player's jersey. It might be game worn, it might not. It might be a specific year of that player's card. So <clears throat> if I wanna collect LeBron James cards from when he was with the Miami Heat, and I'm a Miami fan, like the, the four, four others of you out there, uh, that has a piece of his Miami jersey or a big moment from winning the finals with Miami. Like, I can collect at just about any type of card, anything you can imagine. You can collect digital cards. Like, it is amazing what's all out there now. And so, as a collector, I think there, there need to be several things that would lead you that way. You, you love the NBA you enjoy basketball. There's something about you that wants to have or wants to display or wants to chase after and say, you got, Hey, this is the, there's only five of these in the world. In fact, I have a, a player that I like to collect and invest in is uh, Tyrese Maxey from the 76ers. And about a month ago, I bought a card of his beautiful looking card. It's, it's made by a brand of Panini called national treasures. 
and it's his second year card that is numbered to five, which means they only made five of that specific card with a emerald green trim. And uh, I have card number five out of five. Part of me wanted that card because A, it's cool looking. It's in great condition. It's a player I enjoy. But but mainly, because I mean, there's thousands of different cards of Tyrese Maxey. Just let that, I mean, there, there are gonna be options for you that you just wanna collect Kyle Lowry, you just want to collect Kevin Porter Jr., Steph Curry. Like, that's that's the beauty of this hobby. You can pick and collect <clears throat> and display. Some people, that's that's all they do is they pick a player or a team. And if that's what you want to do, like when I came back to this whole world in 2019, I said, you know, I don't necessarily know much about the financial or investing or if these things are going to gain value anytime soon. But I do want to buy some LeBron cards. Just because uh, I'm from the same hometown, I got to watch him lead the Cavaliers to four straight NBA finals. At least they won one, you know? And so I thought I just started back into this as a guy who thought, hey, those look cool. They're cheap. I, you know, as far as things I would collect and enjoy, it, it, it would connect with sports. It would connect with the NBA. So, so yeah, if you are a collector or that collector in you, I think it would be drawn to this because you enjoy the NBA. You have a player or a team that you really like to collect or identify with. Sometimes it's an, an era. Like if I wanted to remember my days as a kid watching guys like Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, James Worthy, yeah, Michael Jordan, Moses Malone, Akeem Olajuwon, there's a part of me that, hey, out of being just sentimental and wanting to remember those times, I might say, you know what, I'm just going to focus on collecting early 1980s all-star cards. You can do that. And a collector a collector might say, I don't even care what condition they're in. I just I just want to get good deals on the cards I like and that that I would like to own. Others, maybe you'd say, <clears throat> I want to get everyone from this specific set, like 81 Tops basketball or every Magic Johnson card made by Tops, Fleer and Upper Deck over the course of his career. Like there are fun challenges you could do. There's there's no limit to those. Like I want to get every one of the cool looking, almost like a cartoon drawing, Net Marvel's cards made of NBA all-star or star players in 2019. There's maybe 15 of those. It might take you a while to find them, but that's part of the chase. I think that's part of the adventure that's there for us as collectors. So... I would just say it's important to know what do you want to do? What would you like to keep? And on one hand, as you're getting back into this or starting a new Basketball Cards 101, it's good to define or say, all right, here's what I think I'd like to do or what I think I'd like to collect. But you don't have to stay there forever. It's not like after six months <clears throat> you want to collect something else Gary's going to get on here and be like, no, 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 you said, remember back in 101, you were only going to collect Russell Westbrook autograph cards. Don't go buying the Sean Kemp. Don't go buying the James Harden. No, you said, actually, it's the opposite. It's good to reevaluate as you, as you learn and grow in the hobby. It's good to say, you know what? I didn't used to collect these things, but, but now, Hey, I'm, I'm just drawn to them. That's fine. Like that's, that's good. That's healthy. You'll have opportunities and you'll be aware of 
what's out there, the more you do this. So part of the thing, honestly, is to just get started because you learn about the hobby and you learn about yourself. Uh, as much as it's, you know, this series will encourage you to have a game plan and be patient. That's just because I want you to get the best deals. I, I don't want you to come back to to me or to yourself or to whoever runs your <laughs> runs your budget on these things <clears throat> and say, man, if I had known this, I would have done that differently. Or man, I I rushed in. I had fear of missing out or I had, you know, did not realize there would be such better deals, you know, in the off season. I, I don't want that to happen. So I want you to have a game plan. And at the same time, you're not married to it forever. You are not stuck there. So there are things that I collect now that I didn't collect two years ago. There are players I'm interested in now that I didn't even know about, you know, last year that I right now I'm saying, yeah, I would enjoy collecting Evan Mobley cards. That's, that's where I'm at with Evan Mobley. To me, he's a, a favorite player on one of my favorite teams. And I don't really care if I make money on Evan Mobley cards. But I guess, and along with that, I'm not spending a lot of money. I'm not the guy that goes on eBay and pays 500 bucks for an Evan Mobley autograph rookie. I'm not doing that. I don't need it that bad. I don't see it as an investment to flip and make money. And by the way, that's my investor's recommendation too. I don't see Evan Mobley as a, as a guy you're going to make money off of anytime soon. His prices are high. But as a collector, I know that about myself. Hey, here's the, the handful of players or the handful of types of cards that I just, I think it'd be cool to have. I, you know, I spent $25 on the LeBron James Net Marvels card from this year. Maybe it was 20 bucks on eBay, like a month after they first came out. And uh, could I buy that card cheaper now? Yeah. Yep. I could. Am I glad I bought it and have been able to enjoy it for the last six months, nine months? Do I regret paying that 25 bucks? Not for a second. No. Um, that's a card I just want to have as a guy who that, that hit that hit me on several levels. One, it was LeBron. Two, it was the Net Marvels series of inserts in that set that I like in Dunruss. And three, just the timing. Like, hey, it's it's brand new. I didn't buy it day one. Some people probably paid a hundred bucks for it two days before I did. You know, so but I, I just know that's a player I like to collect. That's a price I'm okay with when it comes to being a collection piece. I'm not thinking, man, I really need to sell this in two months for a 20% gain or a 50% gain. Like, could I have? Maybe. Could I still like send it in to get graded and flip it? Yeah, but that's not why I have the card, and and I'm and I've, you know, I've looked at it several times over the last nine months and said, am I ready to sell that card yet? No, no. The collection, <clears throat> I think, to me implies fun ownership, association with the NBA, something that you choose, something that you like, and saying, um, you know, I don't really have a time frame on it. I don't need to make money on it. If if it does, great. Like, I don't think collectors just be like, well, I'm just going to overpay for everything and sell at a loss someday. Like, I don't think you buy things that you know are going to depreciate in value and go down in two years. Um, that would be, to me, that's probably not the wisest way to collect. I'd rather be the guy that waits for them to go down two years from now. Then I buy it for the collection, you know? So... So it is the collectors that are, they're often the foundation of the hobby. And you might see or hear people say, you know, it's its just about the collectors. And 
oh, the investors and the flippers, they came in and out, they ruined the hobby, or they like, they don't respect the history of the game or the, the cards, and okay, I think collectors need to be a bit um, chill, <laughs> chill out <laughs> about that stuff. I'm glad you enjoy it, and there's things you want to collect, and, and those are the people that, uh, and that's the part of me that wants to do this long-term, and not just when it feels profitable. So just know that there's a part of a collector in each one of us and it should determine what you buy, when you buy, how much you pay. Like you should still be informed, but uh, it's okay and good to say, hey, uh, here's here's something I just enjoy collecting. I enjoy having. There are ways to display it, display your cards online on an Instagram feed or in a vault that's displayed like PWCC or even eBay is going to have one and card ladder. You can track what you've got sports card investor. There's so many ways to display and keep and show off your collection. Uh, at PSA, you can show off your collection, PSACard.com. So, so yeah, there's, there's ways to, to enjoy that, show that, savor that, pay attention to that collection, right? I think that's good. And for Gary's purposes, that's me talking to myself in the third person, Gary's purposes would say, I'm, I'm personally mostly collecting uh, LeBron James and other players that I enjoy, that I think are cool, that I identify with. So from the 80s slash 90s, I'll collect Cavaliers, Sean Kemp. I like Kevin Garnett. I like some Michael Jordan. As I get into the 2000s, yeah, it's LeBron James mostly. Uh, there are other players that I like and that I think about, but a lot of those guys then are newer, like John Morant. I enjoy collecting John Morant, Donovan Mitchell, Darius Garland, Tyrese Maxey. Are there other investments that I might have down the road with them? Yep. Yep. Do I have cards that I bought as a collector? And then when I saw how much they went up, I'm like, I might not, I mean, I like having it, but I like having 50 more dollars even more. Like, my collection does have a price, you guys. Um, so there's that. So it's good to know the category motivations that you might have as a uh, collector. But it's also even better to be flexible because there are opportunities <laughs> to capitalize on some steals of deals or to make some profit. And we'll talk about investing, the investors in all of us after this break. Brunson, killer crossover goes right by Mike Conley. Investors, people that are in this thinking it is a business that you can make money from. I want you to know there are thousands of different ways to do that, to invest in cards. I also want you to know there are a thousand uh, little costs beyond the card. Things like shipping and storage and sleeves and top loaders and displays. And all, I mean, there's there's a lot of little what, what you might hear people call fringe costs. That is sort of like the cost of doing business that I would want you to be uh, more than aware of. I want you to get the best deals that don't involve up, up charges. That there, there are ways to buy cards where you don't have to pay sales tax, you can just pay cash. There are accounts, there's, there's, there's ways to buy and sell cards on PayPal that you don't have to pay the uh, extra PayPal fees with. 
there, there's just, just like any other business, there's, there's all these ins and outs. The, the card is just a part of it, but it is fun. It's fascinating to see how many different ways there are to turn sports cards, basketball cards into a business. All right. Or to view them as investments. To some people, investing in basketball cards might mean, hey, I'm going to save up and buy a really nice card that's going to be worth a lot more money in 10, 15, 20 years. That's like the retirement plan investors, that they're, they're looking at the Giannis Antetokounmpo rookie. They're looking at Steph Curry, LeBron James Gosh, for a while they were looking at Luka Doncic and Trey Young and things, and I don't know what those guys will be like long-term. But Michael Jordan and Kobe, I think we know whose legacies are cemented and, you know, historic and and all those things. So so you might be a long-term investor, and that's great. You might be a short-term investor where you're like, I don't really care about the card. I just want to buy, sell, buy, sell, buy, sell, and make a little bit on each transaction. There are a lot of people doing that and doing well on that. In fact, some of the best business models when it comes to basketball or the best investing models uh, involve involve some hustle and some awareness on where can I make short-term gains? Where can I where can I flip cards? And that's that's why a lot of people came into the basketball card market in 2020 when they saw wait, you could buy a LeBron James card for a dollar and then then like two months later sell for 20. You can 20x your money in three months. I mean, that happens once in a while. But a lot of those people that were relying on that, uh, they came in, they made some money, they just kept doing it. And then they weren't prepared for, I almost said the inevitable, but yeah, the inevitable market crash uh, that wasn't sustainable. That, that, that card in and of itself isn't worth 20x it might not be worth 2x but because of the hype and the run-up and people treating these things like penny stocks really you know i think i think the more you look at actual um investing like say the stock market or mutual funds or cds or etfs exchange traded funds the more you think about basketball cards as if you were you know a financial advisor there are a lot of similarities. There are a lot of things, projections, return on investment. There's even opportunities, you guys, if you're investing and you might say, I could never afford that, that super expensive one of one Kobe Bryant card or that LeBron James card. Well, well, there are even uh, companies that have gone together with investors and bought a card and then investors own shares or they own a percentage of that card. If you look at collectible or dibs, there's a few other places today where you can buy a fraction of an awesome card. So maybe you're like, you know, rather than me buy a bunch of dollar LeBron cards or $20 Donovan Mitchell cards, I want to just buy a little slice, a little sliver of that 86 Fleer Jordan, right? Or of that 1981 Magic Bird and Irving card that's mint and PSA, whatever, at collectible. Like that's there. Are, what I'm telling you is there are there are so many different ways to do this, and most of my learning in buying and selling and trying to make money has been learning on the job or learning from other people. Some of it's learning about myself and cards that I think when I buy them they'll be a good or a great investment, 
and, and just to be real, a lot of times they are. A lot of times I have been able to take my basketball knowledge, take my card knowledge and say, look, I'm at a card store right now. I'll give you an example. Uh, I would say last November, I was at a card store and I found two Miles Bridges Prism Silver, just the regular card, not graded or anything, but I think they were like $10 each or less than $10 each. And in three months, Miles Bridges was having an all-star type of season and I sold both of those $10 cards for like $70 each. Like the market just went crazy because they saw Miles Bridges going crazy and that was the card to get is Prism Silver. So I just happened to be picking the guy. I feel like I've had some decent success with a, with a number of those players where I've been like, yeah. But I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't know that Miles Bridges would be an all-star. I just knew... Hey, less than 10 bucks for a Miles Bridges silver prism. I mean, it just feels like a good deal to me. It does. There may have been other silver prisms that I, that I bought during that time. Nikhil, you know who you are. <laughs> that, that they didn't go up or if they did go up, it wasn't, it wasn't fast and it certainly wasn't that much. And I was like, eh, you know, maybe I'm not going to brag about those on the podcast. By the way, I'm not bragging. I just share my experience. You guys, I have... I have lost money on a lot of cards too. And I've paid what, what I call the stupid tax of just learning on the job with some of these. And that is fun. I'm telling you, if, if that's not fun for you, but you also are learning, you know, and so sometimes you buy a card, you think you're going to be able to sell it in two months, but for some reason it doesn't sell. Well, you learn something in the process and you can't hang on to that card forever. You may just have to cut your losses and, and sell it so that you can get that money and, and try again. Uh, I want you to know this is part one. There are so many different ways to invest so many, not just the cards, but the timing, the, the player, the season, there's a lot that goes into it. Your personality, like maybe you, you aren't the kind that would be like, man, I, I want to, I want to flip cards. I want to buy inside. I don't want to hold a card very often because I know it could, you know, somebody else will want it and pay 20% more than I did. You know, there, there, there are short-term flipping opportunities. If that fits your personality, go for it. You'll enjoy it. There's some of you listeners, some of our hoops plus our members supporters platform that you guys are like, look, I only PC one or two guys and they're goats like this. They're my favorites. The rest of these, I just want to sell, 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 sell. I buy for maybe 60% of comps and I sell for 90% of comps. It just keeps stuff moving. I love learning stuff like that from you guys. Uh, but the, the point overall is there are many ways to do this. You learn on the job. There are a variety of strategies that we can talk about, but you got to do you and, and know what you want when it comes to cards. There are investing resources out there to help you learn and think it through. And I'll mention those uh, here in a moment. Yaron Walter Jackson Jr., born September 15, 1999, is an American professional basketball player for the Memphis Grizzlies of the National Basketball Association. So I want to give you guys a few ways, strategies of investing in cards and the timing and the research and how much money you put into these options is really up to you. I encourage you to learn about each of these avenues. One avenue, one way to make money in basketball cards is prospecting. So 
you find your guesses, you find your guys, you go into this season thinking that, hey, Bones Highland is going to just explode in Denver, or hey, Kawhi Leonard is going to return from injury and take over the, you know, take over the NBA. You are, you are speculating, you are prospecting, whether that's a player that hasn't performed, you know, up to his ability yet, getting a new opportunity. And, uh, you're going to buy and hold until that moment happens when he steps into the spotlight and he's all of a sudden running the team when, when Colin Sexton gets hurt and then he becomes an all-star. Darius Garland, shout out to you for being the poster boy for prospecting gone right. And I could name a few other guys, Desmond Bain, Tyrese Maxey. There, there were a lot of guys last year that took a next step, uh, Maybe you just see a guy that's undervalued and you want to invest in him because you realize in a few months, everybody in the world is going to know the name Anthony Simons and you just happen to uh, to believe that before it happened. So prospecting is one. What about flipping? What about finding a card that, that you know there is a $100 range on that John ja Morant Silver Prism PSA 10 card? Maybe there's a $200 range, meaning some people are... Sometimes they sell for $750 on eBay. Sometimes they sell for $950. Well, you're the guy, you're the lucky one, the lucky investor that buys it for closer to $750 and then sells it a week and a half later. Or in the run-up to the NBA season where their hype and excitement for John Morant is huge, you sell it in a couple weeks for $925 and you just made $150. I like that. That's, that's flipping. That's knowing you have a buyer at a certain price and knowing you have a seller that'll give it to you for less. So you just take it off of eBay and sell it to somebody else. Or you take it from one dealer at the show and walk it across the room and sell it to the other dealer. I've seen people make money in minutes doing this. Just because you're aware of the price range on a card, a box of wax, a set, a brand, a type of card, like all those things. So you're a flipper. There's prospecting, there's flipper, there's greater. There's greater. There's guy who buys raw cards or girl who buys ungraded cards that you've already done the research. You've, you've looked at the card you're buying. Is it in great condition, centered, sharp corners, good coloring? Like, does it look like it's, it's gem mint or it could be? And you've already priced out what that card is selling for in a PSA 9 or 10 or an SGC 9 or 10 or HGA nine or 10, you you know, you, and then you pick one of those grading companies and you send it in, you pay the $22, the $30, the $50 to have them graded. But once they put it in a case and if they call it a 10, you just made a chunk of money. In fact, I've done that a bunch recently with Justin Herbert, who is not a basketball player, but I've been able to find decent Justin Herbert rookies for less than $30. And they look good enough to me and I price them out and I decide, hey, even if that comes in as a nine, I'll be glad and make at least triple what I paid for it. So grading is a good way, but you have to do your research in advance. I think that's true of all of these. Flipper, you need to know who you're going to sell to. Prospector, you need to believe in that player for a reason, not just because you like that guy's name or because he has an extra hyphen or because you've never heard of a guy named Nikhil and it just has to, he just has to, you know, take off. So no, he doesn't. You have to do your research and figure stuff out. Another way to make money in the hobby and investing is to view it as, yeah, longer term investing. 
So you are buying cards that you know, hey, in five or 10 years, people who want a Michael Jordan or a Kobe Bryant or a Steph Curry, people who want a Giannis card will be coming to you because you bought one during a downtime in the market or during the off season. Good on you, like good job doing that. That is more long-term investing. And I I think there's a a fine line between long-term investing and personal collecting because if I'm going to buy and hold a card for a long time, I I guess I like to enjoy it. (laughs) I like to display it and be proud of it and share it with friends or post it on Instagram. And that's the way a lot of people are, guys, as collectors and investors. But long-term investors, you're saying, hey, uh, in 20 years, this guy, this player will be remembered. Or in 10 years, this card will be sought after. A lot of people think, here's just a, a spoiler alert or some advice for you, that now that Fanatics, the uh, sports fan apparel, swag, culture, all the things they do and sell, like they bought the licenses for NBA, NFL, Major League Baseball. They bought tops and they are going to buy Panini. If you believe the reports that came out yesterday, they're buying Panini and they're, they want to take card collecting and investing mainstream and bring it to a larger audience than ever. Well, I, I, I think that's, that's nothing but good news for us, but it also says to me, Hey, all the things that were, all the cards that were made before these booms, I think we'll look back on this, these couple years as the boom of fanatics and the boom of prism and all the overprint, like the high print and pop counts of guys like Zion and Ja, like, yeah, but cards that were made before that of players that will matter after that. So Giannis, Kobe, LeBron, you could throw Luca in there. You could definitely put Jason Tatum, Joel Embiid. There's, there's a lot of players you could say here, but those guys' cards, especially the PSA 10s, especially the non-base cards, right? Those would be the ones. And I think you get even more value when you, the further back you go, back to Michael Jordan, Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, Jerry West, Bill Russell, Wilt Chamberlain, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. These are guys whose names will be remembered forever in basketball lore, (laughs) Uh, but that will impact the card market and the scarcity of those cards in great condition and in great color, that's just going to, it's just going to keep being a bigger and bigger deal over time. So investing uh, longer term, being aware that, Hey, this, this uh, moment in time, even though the card market is a bit down value wise from what it was a year, year and a half ago, Uh, the card excitement and the numbers of people and companies and money flowing into investments to expand this world of sports cards, like all that stuff will eventually propel and grow just, just the pie, like the, the whole, the whole rising tide lifts all ships thing. That's, I mean, that's, that's like a rising ocean in front of us of, uh, opportunity. So long-term you're thinking, all right, what players' names will last and matter longer term? What guys will I wish I had bought into in 10, 15, 20 years? What players will my kids be telling their kids about? And my, my opinion is uh, that that short list does include some amazing people like Kobe Bryant. It does include some of the uh, 
the goats. I mean, if guys have impacted culture and society, if guys are celebrities like Shaquille O'Neal, Charles Barkley, if they have famous shoes, I mean, Michael, how long will Jordans matter and impact culture? Like, it feels like forever, doesn't it? I mean, it feels like those those will be the things. So investing long-term, absolutely. What did I say for you so far? Graders, flippers, prospectors, long-termers. And, and you know, I want to, I guess I want to rule out the idea that, that you can make a lot of money in this hobby by buying and opening new boxes of cards, new wax, as it's called. That is like uh, grabbing a lottery ticket, a very expensive lottery ticket that you have very little chance of pulling that one of one autographed card, that one of one Cade Cunningham rookie or Zion Williamson silver prism. Those are so hard to get. And yet people do it and celebrate it. And there's podcasts and YouTube channels about these incredible, they call them case hits. You may have paid a thousand dollars for this box, but you pulled out a $50,000 card. Uh, friends, that's awesome. And if you have that kind of luck, consider yourself very fortunate. These sports card gods have smiled on you. But the other 99% of us, or the other 95% of us, that doesn't happen. I don't consider it a safe investment. I have lost a lot of money. I can't in good conscience get on here and recommend it to you. Uh, It's fun to watch on YouTube. It's fun to dream about and uh, snipe some deals off of eBay. Maybe that's another investing strategy. Sniping deals on eBay. Buying auctions that are low and midweek because nobody's paying attention. Buying auctions in the off-season on cards that I saw one yesterday go and Anthony Edwards Prism rookie PSA 10 went for like barely over 150 bucks. That card has been selling for 225 uh like regularly over the last 3 weeks and someone stole it for 150. Like I I would gladly pay that right now. Um so there's snipers. There's people that are like scavenging looking for the deals. You're digging in the dollar box. You're digging on the the websites trying to find those. I think there's great opportunity in that. Guys, there's so, I'd love to hear your strategy, your ideas, things that come to mind for you as, as an investor. One, one thing I'm in the process of doing as an investor is leveling up. I started with a small budget, started at the bottom. Now I'm here. My whole team's here. Like I built up from you know, maybe 50 bucks and $50 in card sales. And I've just been buying and selling, buying and selling, grading a few cards and buying and selling. I, I, spoiler, I can't wait to tell you about my last grading uh, group of cards I got back from PSA. So excited uh, because I, I just couldn't wait. I, I like went on the site to see the grades and I'm like, dang, those are the, that, that is going to help me level up to the next level to make some money off of my cards and reinvest some of that into better cards. So guys, it is possible. It is possible to do this as a collector and investor that's enjoying a profitable side hustle, enjoying a profitable uh, hobby or business, however you want to do it. But I would just say, learn, Uh, dive in, start researching, listen to more podcasts like this. There's more resources than ever to help you evaluate cards as investments and see the trends in the hobby or in the prices from January to June or June to what is it now? September, like the ups and downs of the market throughout the year research, plan ahead, look at resources that are out there for you to help you like cardladder.com has card ladder pro. I use that a lot. It helps me. 
helps me compare different cards I'm looking at, see what might be a good time to buy, what might be a card that I didn't notice before that I'm like, yep, yep, that was why I, that was why I locked in on this site. Or that's why I went to nooffseason.com and read the player profiles that they put out on the top. I think they're closing in on 100 basketball players that they have ranked uh, for the, you know, just the investment opportunity that's there right now. And often they're looking at short-term flip uh, profitability, you know, and, and ranking them. I love it. I use that all the time. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, team over there. That is awesome. Sports card investor. Jeff uh, has done wonders for the whole sports card industry in the last two years, helping us think as investors, helping us look at trends and notice cards and anticipate what might be next for players and buying opportunities. So sports card investor, there, there are really uh, unlimited resources for you. I Hoops Plus, our members platform, where I do a newsletter every month where we're going to have a seasonal buying and selling plan that helps you think about the next 12 months of what you want to buy, what you want to sell. I'm going to wa- I'm going to work through it myself and just see if it works. So um, I firmly believe it will or I wouldn't be be plugging this. But I, I'm so pumped about that. Hoops Plus, if you're interested in, in joining us there, it's a great community where we share ideas and resources on the Discord and and uh, in Instagram together. So so Hoops Plus, you go to anchor.fm forward slash hoops and cards forward slash subscribe. That just helps support our fledgling little podcast. We've been at it a year and a half. Grateful for your support as listeners and friends around the world. Anchor.fm forward slash hoops and cards forward slash subscribe. And yeah, that's just $4.99 a month. $4.99. Let me be clear. Um, not a major money grab. Just something that says, hey, we, we get it. We value uh, this podcast. We want to support the resources that we're getting. And uh, I'm grateful for you guys. Can't wait for these next episodes about Basketball Cards 101. And investors, collectors, if you guys have any questions, please, please, please email me. Gary at hoopsandcards.com. Gary at hoopsandcards.com. I would love to hear from you. Random questions that you have. Something that I said today that you're like, well, hey, what about this? Or, hey, what about that? Uh, yeah, that's, that's what I love. And, uh, sometimes you guys come up with questions and perspectives. Like, I'm like, crap, that's, oh, that's awesome. I got to look into that, you know, or I didn't, I didn't think of it that way. So, uh, we sharpen each other. This is a community thing. This isn't you trying to win and get over on the rest of us and, and show off your, your dollars. This is us wanting to seize opportunities and help, help each, you know, every one of us win. I, I love that mindset. I've been helped by those that have gone before me, collectors and investors and podcasters. And uh, we need, we just need to keep that ball moving because the better days, the, the bigger profits, the better waves are ahead for the hobby. I've truly believe that excited to, uh, to share that journey with you guys. But also finally, I'm going to wrap up this episode. Thank you so much for listening. Gary, your host, love that you're here with us at hoops and cards. Have a great week. Take care now. Bye-bye then.